what are we losing theologically when we no longer actually literally see the poor? Or when we have our cities designed in such a way that the only time we see them is in the context of a fast-paced, fractured environment where we're driving by them at 60 miles an hour. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today I'm joined by Tiffany Owens-Reed, an expert on cities. Today we will be talking about how to understand our cities better, These, their history of injustices and ways they can be improved. A graduate of the King's College and former journalist, Tiffany is a New Yorker at heart. Currently living in Texas, she creates content for cities decoded and educational platform designed to help ordinary people understand cities. Thank you for joining us today, Tiffany. How are you? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you. We're having some nice cool weather here in Texas, so that's always a treat. That's awesome. All right. So talking about weather, already you told me that you are human. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's the point uh, uh, for my next uh, request. Um, I like asking my guests to talk about their family a little bit, very briefly, uh, to just help the audience to connect with the with the guest. So uh, before we get started, please tell us very briefly about your family, uh, because uh, families make us human. They humanize us as persons. So share with us a little bit about your family. Sure. Um, so I am the second oldest in a family of four children. Um, I grew up traveling pretty often um, for various adventures and reasons. So I've lived all over the country. Um, my family mostly lives in North Carolina now. Um, and as of this past November, I, I am married. Um, my husband is a philosophy professor. So we have lots of interesting conversations and debates. And most exciting news is that we are expecting our first baby later this year. So Yay! Life will get even more exciting. <laughs> we will finally have our own personal peanut gallery. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. To start us off, uh, can you tell us more about what inspired you to start learning and writing about cities? Sure. So I think um, partly from my background with growing up, moving and traveling so much, I just spent so much time on the road and so much time kind of moving between different um, built environments, different uh, ecosystems, if you were, if you would, um, like, for instance, going from just like the, the two lane highway going through farmland and then slowly watching it grow into like, oh, it's getting a little bit more developed. Now we're in the downtown. I think I was always sensitive to noticing those patterns. I didn't really know why. So I think part of this is definitely just vocation. <laughs> um, I think that, but the, the, kind of the story, the story becomes a little bit more clear in 2011 when I dropped out of college to take a journalism job. And for part, of, for part of the terms of that job was that I had to move to Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I really struggled with that move, um, moving from uh, New York City to Asheville. Um, I couldn't really articulate why, but there was just something about uh, going from life in the Big Apple um, to now a, a different pace of life in a different built environment. Um, I also, so I would say that's probably the first, that's probably the first um, event. The second event was definitely the move from Waco to Brooklyn three years ago. No, I'm sorry, the other way around from Brooklyn to Waco three years ago. 
both of these moves um, had similar similar components to them. Um, I found myself really missing aspects of um, big city life, whether that was like meeting up with my poetry group on the Lower East Side or being able to walk everywhere or just street life, seeing people out and about. Um, during the first the first move, I picked up Jane Jacobs' book, The Death and Life of Great American Cities. And that was really the first book that helped me articulate what it was about the city that I was missing and what I really resonated with and why I was struggling so much with this different built environment around me. Um, I would also say, uh, so moving from uh, Brooklyn to Waco, um, something similar kind of happened where now I had a little bit more context and a little bit more understanding, but it was my first time in a really long time because I spent so much time traveling, going back to New York on and off. It had been a really long time since I lived in just like a normal American city. Um, so I thought it was really valuable to stay um, and to process my observations and my frustrations um, and, and just try to answer the question of like, you know, what was it about the built environment, the design decisions um, that were uh, either leading to a sense of place or that were uh, making me feel like um, I had lost that sense of place. Mm. So yeah, but I would say Jane Jacobs definitely played a huge role in that. Um, and, and I would say having the background of growing up moving so much, I think one thing that um, I've realized lately is how much I wanted to have a home, like mm. a city where I was from. People would ask me all the time, where are you from? And I could never really answer it. I actually hated that question um, because we just moved so often. And so I think a big part of why I do what I do is because I want to empower people to not have that experience, to have to be able to, to feel more connected to where they live, to, to have a sense of home where they are. And taking time to actually see your city and explore your city and be involved in your city is a really wonderful way of, of building that sense of connection and building that sense of home. So what makes it so important? And how does the infrastructure of a city impact its residents? <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a big question. We could probably spend the rest of the the podcast just wrestling with this, and it's a question that there's not really a definitive answer on. I can give you a couple of reasons why they are important. Part of these are really practical, like they're economic powerhouses, right? Mm -hmm. New York City's economy on its own powers a huge portion of the nation's economy, so that's kind of your you know an economic reason right there. I would say perhaps some more sociological reasons or maybe some more philosophical reasons. Um, I, I just tell you what I wrote down. Um, I think cities are, are where we see um, just the reality of our interdependence at play. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about why cities emerge where it was like at some point we kind of figured out we're better collaborating than competing. Um, and I think that's just a really interesting thought to keep in mind of like, wow, why do cities exist? Why do a bunch of strangers come together and do life together in this sphere? Um, and, and I think it's a kind of a constant reminder of that basic reality that we are interdependent on each other. Um, cities are where we come together to exchange ideas, to create, to present our ideas to the world, right? Um, to, it's that they're hubs of innovation. And it's kind of tricky using the word city because I'm very much aware that most people don't live in a place like New York City, San Francisco, Seattle, LA, right? Most people are living in suburbs. Some people are living in small towns. Some people mm -hmm. are living on farms. So. I always try to be careful with the way I use the word city. Um, and yes, there are there is a difference between living in a in a metropolis like Manhattan versus living where I am now in Waco. There are just some really big differences. But at the very, at the very, you know, the one thing that does make a suburb, a small town and a city, the one, the few consistent things they have in mind 
is this reality of interdependence? Is this reality of like, it's a space where people are coming together um, and exchanging ideas or learning to negotiate, learning to compromise. It's where we where we celebrate each other. It's where we hurt each other, right? So theologically, cities are where you see our sin on display, but also opportunities for God's mercy and God's grace and for, for, for good to prevail. Um, so there's really a theological component to them. Um, cities on an individual level, they're where we figure out what it means to be an individual in society. Like, what does it mean to participate in society? You can't do that by yourself in a forest, right? You have to find somewhere where there are other people. Um, and and you, you work that out in a city. By that, I just mean a polis, a group of people coming together where you have both the private sphere and the public sphere meeting, right? Mm. Um, Greek philosophers, they saw the city as a really important incubator for virtue. This is probably one of one reason that I think cities are so important. You can have all the wonderful ideas in your head that you want, but it's only in the public sphere that those ideas get tested and tried and proven and where you where you actually have to go in virtue because you're having to negotiate and compromise with people who aren't your family, who maybe aren't even your friends. Um, they give us a space to talk about power. What does it mean to have power, to use power? Mm-hmm. What does justice look like? That's what the, those are all the things that get answered in the polis. Whatever, what form that takes, if that's a suburb, if that's a small town, if that's a city, the way we think of it, um, you know, you can get more specific. But when we use the word city in this more philosophical way, we're just saying where human beings come together and they're bound by some other set of interests other than blood or friendship, right? They're coming together to to, to define a shared society. Um, so yeah, I would say um that those are some reasons I would say cities are important. Um, in terms of, of infrastructure, that's kind of a funny word because um, most people hear infrastructure, they're probably going to think of roads, lights, water, sewage pipes, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All of that's really important. All those things facilitate life in the city. Um, I would also add um, things like the actual design of the city, like yeah. where are the actual buildings located? How is the land designated? I would also add the political. You can kind of think of infrastructure in lots of different ways. There's there's your nuts and bolts infrastructure. There's your political infrastructure. Mm-hmm. There's your the, the design, the economic infrastructure, right? So in this way, you begin to see cities as an ecosystem rather than as just like a straightforward, easy to understand. You know, they're, they're containers for life and they have all these um, interconnected layers that are required in order for them to work they're not something you can control you can't even really predict right Right, right. to me that's what makes them just so beautiful and so fun to think about and especially from the context of stewardship um, and participation and in god's story yeah i i like what you uh, said uh, especially you know um uh, interdependent and uh, collaborative spirit that we see in uh, in the cities even uh, in a minute we're going to talk about uh, all this issue of um uh, injustices and all that stuff but even uh, when it comes to uh, economic power you know for new york city that's like so true because you got uh, unless you collaborate with other people it, it's it's that's how it is you you pick from this mm-hmm. shop and you sell in the other shop mm-hmm. so that idea and negotiation i i love that uh, you know we joke about uh, italian way of like the way they or middle eastern way of uh, negotiating and uh, um, all that. It is amazing because you don't see in uh, uh, suburban settings, you don't have much going on. You It is set price. You take that thing, you pay the thing and you move on. Uh, but in cities, uh, everything, I, I, 
my my first time my wife visited me or maybe like one of the first times um in new york city that was her thing she just she was just moved that i would not pay the guy what he was asking mm-hmm. i said no it was like somewhere downtown in manhattan we, i was just talking to this uh, immigrant uh, guy who had his you know was selling scarves and bags mm-hmm. and stuff so i was negotiating and whatever he said i said told him my price and then i walked away with my price by with with the bag and the, my wife my, my wife was like what is going to do hey you didn't give him what and uh, he, i said is he chasing me no so then it's settled so that's the price he is okay with otherwise he would have chased me down he would have taken his product back uh it's not that i'm running away uh so even like the communication part it's not like you agreed on the price you just negotiated until one one and the other one is okay because uh, he's not fighting anymore he's like okay he's going to take the thing that's fine it just amazes her i would never do that anywhere else uh, <laughs> outside of uh, new york city otherwise you're going to get you know they're going to call, <laughs> call the cops or something but it's so interesting uh let, let let's continue this conversation I, mm-hmm. i love the idea of infrastructure being um, other than nuts and bolts and you know the pipes and uh, all the other things uh, in the city so why would the layout or infrastructure structure of a city matters to an urban church. Mm-hmm. We talk about theology yeah. and let's talk about that too. Right. Well, a couple of thoughts on this. Going back to this idea of infrastructure being more complex than just nuts and bolts infrastructure, right? If we think of it in this um more imaginative way of thinking of um yes, we need the roads, we need the lights, we need the stop signs. That's a type of infrastructure. We can call that physical infrastructure, right? But then let's think about economic infrastructure, let's think about political infrastructure, let's think about social fabric, which is a kind of infrastructure. These are the systems that make life happen, right? Mm-hmm. So you need social fabric for life in a city to be meaningful. You need an economic system for life in a city to be productive, right? Mm-hmm. You need a political infrastructure in order for decisions to be made about the 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 public sphere. So all of those things are really important. um to really understanding the story of your city um help you understand the history of your city where your city is now and the potential for where your city can go in the future um having that framework uh, can also help you understand um where are some injustices what are things that we can be working on um to 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 help our cities um achieve uh, a biblical vision of human flourishing um but you can't advocate for change if you don't understand how change happens and these are the systems that govern change these are the systems that govern conversations that co- govern negotiations that govern imagination um and so if you want to um really understand your city and be able to advocate for for better stewardship um then understanding those systems really matter so but that kind of begs the question of like well why would i even really care like i'm sure most pastors have a lot on their plate just just tending to their just tending to their congregation so i i i think your question of like why would this matter to an urban church and I, and to that i would say well the city is a stage it's where life happens it's where our values get lived out right they don't get lived out contrary to what most people might think on twitter <laughs> they don't get lived out in abstract detached disembodied realms of reality like people walk on concrete right they they drive on actual roads you know the city is where our values get lived out the city is where our hearts get broken the city is where we struggle with sin 
the city is where we we obey God and go bless someone that that lives down the street, right? There, it is the space of being human, mm. and so I think that's something we should take really seriously. The gospel is incarnational, right? Christ, mm. like God, coming down to a specific place in matter, right? A specific city, a specific house, specific family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm living out his ministry in an embodied way in a specific region of the world with real food and real bread. Right. Yeah. And I think there's something to, to think about there. It's like, well, theology is great, but mm-hmm. our theology should be incarnational. And for me, that means you should be thinking about the stage where your congregation is going to be living out their theology and they're going to be living it out in the parking lot of the grocery store and the school line in line at Starbucks. This is where life will happen. Um, so I think there's a place to that there there is a um, a need and an invitation I think to to take that more seriously, to take both your theology seriously, but to then to take seriously this ecosystem where we will be living out that theology. Um, do you see the connection there? As I as I you know I'm in my I'm I'm just processing. There's so much you are sharing, and I'm trying to uh, you know process that while connect with the um, the reality of a church. So when you talk about uh, life uh, in a parking lot or grocery mm-hmm. shop or uh, all these different things, so life is happening, right? So do you see any difference uh, when it comes to, um, you know, suburban mm-hmm. environment? Do you think less life happens in suburban settings or do you think it's because the space is so tight in cities and uh, you can find so many people trapped in one little car um, or so many people are in the same vicinity. Why you, why, right. why do you see the difference? Yeah, I actually, I actually wrote down some, some notes about that difference. I'm glad you brought that up. And I do want to distinguish, um, again, kind of the clarification I made earlier about how I use the word city. Um, I, because of my work at Cities Dakota, you know, I try not to alienate people who don't live in a big bustling metropolis city. I try to be sure to speak to people who live in all kinds of built environments, but the way you're using it, like I definitely do understand there is a difference between living in a, let's call it a suburban polis and an urban polis, right? Um, and I have just from my experience with living in New York City, uh, honestly, living in New York City probably shaped my faith more because of the pressures of living there. If it was the social pressures, if it was the cultural pressure, if it was the financial pressure, right? Um, or just being constantly bombarded by people all the time, right? I think it was kind of a pressure cooker for me having to figure out. I have all of this theological knowledge in my head, but how does that actually translate to this moment right now? And I'm feeling really impatient or stressed out or overwhelmed or slightly depressed because I keep seeing these ads for beautiful clothes that I can't ever afford, right? It's um, That's kind of the lived reality. And I really, um, I think I, part of the reason why I survived and, and came out of that season with even a stronger faith uh, was because of really solid teaching that understood that context, right? Or really, really solid biblical uh, pa- pastoring that understood the specific context of the specific city that that the congregation was living in. Um, and so I think there's there's an invitation there for pastors to to think about that. What is the particular context of your of your ministry, the the, the mm. built environment, the daily pressures, if it's, you know, everything and, and, and suburbs have their own challenges, isolation, loneliness, 
false pride of illusions of wealth. <laughs> um, there, there are plenty of struggles that we have living in this kind of built environment and pastors should be sensitive to that and challenge the, and, and, and challenge their parishioners, challenge their congregation to continually think about like, what does our theology, do, mm. you know, how does that shape the way we live our life in a specific place at a specific time? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and different, different ecosystems will, will have different, um, different needs that need to be addressed and different realities that, that need to be integrated into that. Um, but I, I hundred percent understand what you're saying. That's just the unique pressures of living in a big city, um, or living in an inner city, right. Living in a city with a lot of poverty or living yeah. in a city with a lot of wealth, right. Yeah. Those are, those are contexts that, um, are going to, affect the way the gospel or or is alchemized and are integrated into our lives. And I, I think it's actually quite beautiful when churches are able to to speak to that um particular environment uh, directly. Yeah. I, I, again, you know, it's it's a tough topic. It's very extremely tough because um so my former church I worked there for 11 years, it was literally on uh, what's called billion uh billionaire row. Uh, right um, opposite side of Russian Tea Room and uh, Carnegie Hall, Calvary mm-hmm. Baptist Church. Amazing church, does amazing job, uh, has a great uh, um, outreach in the city, been around in the city when there was nothing, the church was there. Uh, over 175 years has been there. And uh, one of the things I, you know, it always surprised me when people will, you know, come poor, like extreme, but they're homeless, right? So they're homeless, they set up their system, that's their bathroom, that's their dining room, that's everything. And we will do this uh, don't walk by outreach, which has been going on for some time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you will see the disparity, uh, this economical disparity we're talking about, right? So you will see this amazing, expensive restaurant, <laughs> expensive uh, um store or a apartment building and then you see this person outside uh, with nothing so there's there you have right there within a very expensive city very rich city very influential city also um the opportunity uh, to see depri- depravity which translates into the depravity of soul too why 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 there is so much uh, pain and suffering um, in the midst of uh, so much that can offer. I mean, the same guy who is in that apartment building can probably feed the rest of the world. Um, but at the same time, in his own, uh, at the bottom of his own building, a person says that he doesn't even see it. So just like this idea, injustice is there too. It just, injustice in so many forms and shapes, and you don't even see people uh, when you're passing passing by those people. But every once in a while, I'll see people just sitting next to these homeless uh, people and feeding them and talking to them. And in, even, even in, in our own conversations, but, you know, I'm a pastor. So, of course, I'm going to have a different uh, demeanor and different approach. Um, and you get to hear. And then sometimes these people will tell you stories. They are brilliant. They are bright people. Uh, but just their life turned upside down and things just changed. And in one instance, I actually found a woman who owned apartment buildings on 50, uh, 75th Street between, uh, I think it was a corner, uh, Columbus Avenue and the whatever was the next one, uh, right there. 
And when I found out that, wow, I cannot believe that person owns the building, but yet mentally she was not present. So therefore she would just roam New York City with her little cart. Um, but that's that's the city. That's how I see city. Uh, but for me, suburban life is so different. When you go, everybody's just packed in. You don't know what's going on there. Nobody's out. Uh, suburban cities, cities, I think urban cities don't scare me, but suburbia. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote about this, um, kind of the, the relationship between proximity and charity um, and kind of wrestling with this reality, one of the um, realities of moving from Brooklyn to Waco was that people just became less visible, right? Yeah. But it exactly. wasn't, it wasn't just the loss of visibility. It was the, it seemed like the ability to build meaningful relationships in such a way that would position you to meet material needs for the people in your life was also fractured. Um, and so addressing things like homelessness and poverty are extremely complicated. One of, I think one of the gifts of the city is that they do make those issues more obvious mm -hmm. and don't allow us to just walk by. They kind of force us to think about the complexity of being human, the complexity of inequality, the complexity of these issues. And there are no easy solutions. There's no silver bullet to solving them, right? Um, but I think it's good to be put into a position of having to actually think about it, especially as Christians, right? having to think about like, oh man, how do I respond? How do I synthesize this with my theology? But in the, in the suburbs, one thing that I immediately noticed is I was like, wow, the fact that we're all scattered all over the city, that you only can get somewhere in a car and every trip has to be pre-planned and premeditated. Right. You don't have that organic, spontaneous presence on the street, right? But not just that, you're also far away from your friends. So even if your friend needed help with something, just the dynamic of not being able to see them regularly, organically, and casually makes it a little bit awkward to ask for help sometimes, you know? And so just kind of the suburban built environment just really does fracture relationships on all levels and add, and takes away that component of spontaneity and sort of that organic nature of how yeah. social life can emerge when your friend is down the street, right? Or when you just know your neighbors, right? But we've even lost that. And for Christians, this is really important to think about because it shapes our ability to live out certain aspects of the gospel. And I, I wrote this blog, this article, shortly after attending a, a seminar on um, Christian, like uh, old Christian teachings on poverty. And of course, ancient poverty is very different from our type of poverty. But one central principle that was quite clear was that early Christians believed the poor were closer to Christ. And so they were serving them was like, it was like almost kind of like a home run, you know, way mm -hmm. of serving Christ, you know, um, you can kind of think of it that way if you need to laugh, but they just took it very seriously. They were like, in serving the poor, we were serving Christ, you know, because they just saw the poor as, as embodiments of like Christ in the world. Um, and so I kind of raised the question in this article of like, what are we losing theologically when we no longer actually literally see the poor? Or when we have our cities designed in such a way that the only time we see them is in the context of a fast-paced, fractured environment where mm -hmm. we're driving by them at 60 miles an hour. And what, what are you going to do? Pull over, park, cross a dangerous road, mm -hmm. walk up to this person that you have no idea if they're even safe to approach, right? Mm -hmm. And put, are you going to put them in your car and take them home, right? So just the whole the whole like process of what would meaningful charity even look like just gets completely disrupt it with 
this model of city design, making it more difficult to, to build the kinds of relationships that can facilitate meaningful charity, making mm -hmm. people who actually need help harder to even see. Because a lot of times the people you're seeing on the street panhandling, those are a very small percentage of the group of people who actually are living in poverty and actually could use real help, right? Yeah. Working, working single moms, you know, poor but working families, children who might need help with tutoring and right. There's a whole yeah. other side yeah. of poverty that's not even visible on a street corner. So, um, but I think you're spot on with looking at the relationship between, you know, the visibility of people and our ability to to translate the Christian teaching of charity into meaningful action. Yeah, Tiffany, uh, you know, you're talking about meaningful charity and, uh, you know, just in the contrast of um, city and, uh, or, or larger city versus smaller cities versus uh, 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 sub suburbs. I, I was thinking, you know, yeah, the city um, offer us, uh, there is no excuse. There's so many, so much going on right there. So you run into, you constantly run into homelessness. You constantly run into needs. You you cannot live without cooperation. You cannot live without uh, interdependence. Earlier you referred to that, negotiating and all that. But at the same time, do you think sometimes that also produces numbness because it's so much? So you just like, um, you know, it is what it is. Nothing is changing. I was there. I did that ministry for uh, uh, with my church eleven years before there. That I was uh, missionaries there doing the same job. So some some close to fifteen years I spent, and now still I'm in Metro New York. I moved in New Jersey, and I'm in Metuchen, New Jersey, and I'm still pastor here, First Baptist Metuchen. Um, and here is a little different. It's intentionality. When we do things, we have to go out. Mm -hmm. Because where I am, it's a, it's a transient community. Most people work over there. I don't see homeless people here. It's totally different. So um, we had this conversation that, oh, how about like focusing on one thing? And the people brought up, oh, we should have, uh, you know, such and such church does this homeless outreach. I said, we that's not our context. Immediate context mm -hmm. is different. These are people who work over there uh, in Manhattan. That's why this community exists because there is no industry here. There's nothing, but that's what it is. Commuters living here. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, uh, kind of like uh, you have the city and almost these are the um, little things attached to the city that nobody even sees. And then you have suburbs that, you know, they're different. And to me, as I'm hearing you, I'm seeing cities. So they are urban city, but at the same time, they are like a village. You can't just pass by and not notice things. They're every things are just everywhere. And people know well, sort of know each other because you're living in the same building for so long. And your mom was there, grandparents, especially if you get a rent control apartment. Um how do you feel about that? Uh, what is your thought on this this idea of uh, God gives us, uh, you know, earlier you said that you don't want to segregate or you don't don't want to dismiss uh, those who are in the ministry, their ministry context is not city. So for them, do you see the opportunity there to, I know I'm, I'm asking you questions still a little bit away from what we want to accomplish here, but I, I just interest, interesting. How do you see that helping us? A pastor in suburb, uh, uh, you know, where uh, intentionality is needed, and uh, mm -hmm. maybe there's intentionality means that you don't need to be numb 
about like constant hit of need, 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 need. So, um, yeah, the context of your, the immediate built environment around your church, right? The community context for your church really mm -hmm. does matter. In America, because we have, let's talk about the suburb. Um, the suburb is largely based on commuting, right? Like you yeah. pick, your church is going to pick a plot of land that's going to be affordable, right? That's going to hit all these criteria. And that's where they were built the church. And then everyone will drive in, they'll park, they'll go to church and they'll all drive home, right? Yeah. This is one of the biggest challenges, I think, to churches in suburbs. It's like, you kind of have to scratch your head for a minute and ask yourself, what does meaningful ministry look like when we are scattered, when we're not anchored to a particular neighborhood, to a particular part of the, and that's how churches were historically, right? So we've, we've totally like pivoted away from this parish model where your church existed for that immediate neighborhood, that immediate context um, to this sort of more transactional model where we can just have a building anywhere that fits our budget, fits our vision, fits what we want. And then everyone will just drive to it. So the, the introduction of driving really changed the perception of church mm. in, 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 in significant ways. Um, and so I think for those churches, there is an opportunity to uh, reclaim the mindset of the parish model, right? And, and to, to, to think like, okay, historically, we have served this congregation that has been able to commute into church. But looking at ourselves incarnationally, I don't even know if that's a word, we're Not also Im embedded in a specific place. So how do we balance ministering to our commuter congregation, but also ministering to our actual, the, the community that's right around us? For some churches, that could be really hard. They might be situated in a strip mall, right? Or they might be in the middle of nowhere and there's not really anyone around them. Mm. Um, but I think there is an opportunity there to try to think as local as possible. Um and to try to cast a vision for like, what would a ministry of proximity look like? And the good thing about this is it kind of simplifies things because when, you, when you're thinking about your specific community, it kind of puts you in a position to respond to that community rather than feeling the pressure of having to solve every massive issue that's out there, right? It's like, yeah. oh, well, churches do something for homelessness. I guess we should do something for homelessness. So I'm like, well, if your primary community are a bunch of business owners, maybe mm -hmm. your your ministry is going to look different if you're a church and a strip mall surrounded by businesses. Like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe your ministry is going to look a little different for them. Maybe you start to create an incubator program. Maybe you, you know, provide space for when they need meetings or you start to build relationships, right? Um, so I think it really can help simplify by, by using your immediate community as a framework for discerning ministry shaped by proximity um that that really can kind of help take some of the pressure off and really really position your church to focus on the the needs that are unique to that specific context mm -hmm. um for the urban church the numbing out problem is definitely very real because in that case you would say well <laughs> their immediate context is loaded with problems to solve like yeah. where are you even going to start with with yeah. that church right i mean i think that's where the framework of like well discernment helps you know just really praying on like mm -hmm. where where God is asking your congregation to serve in this like ocean of social problems, but also looking at the unique uh, giftings of your church and wh where is your church equipped to help? If you have a bunch of like <laughs> accountants going to your church, you know, maybe that can, can say, well, these are our strengths. Maybe you have a bunch of people who are really great at cooking. Maybe hospitality is an, is an opportunity, right? Being more intentional about hospitality. Maybe 
you're smack in the middle of, of like two to three college campuses. Like, okay, well, college students really struggle with loneliness and screen addiction these days. Why don't we do some screen-free dinners if we happen to have like five private chefs in our congregation, right? So I think just looking for that alignment between the needs of our immediate context, discerning where God is leading, and then looking at the strengths of the congregation, um, mm-hmm. I, that could be a place to start. Excellent. You gave me a couple of ideas that I can implement <laughs> right here. Great. The idea of screen-free dinner. Um, that's that's uh, that's excellent. Um, so let's let's go back to our previous conversation about infrastructure and uh, urban church. We'll continue. It's a fascinating uh, conversation. Thanks, Tiffany, for being here. It's uh, a really uh, amazing uh, topic. I want to come back to this topic. So let's uh, stop here. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 